many of you sleeping in this morning because you were here late last night? <laughs> Part of what everything going on at the real Christmas surprise. Hey, thank you to all of you involved in that. What a, what a great night. And early reports have, amen. Early reports are there were about 4,000 people that came through here last night, and amen. Heard the, heard the truth, heard what, heard what Christmas is really all about. You know, Santa Claus wasn't here. <laughs> Jesus was. So, um, and just, a, just a, a great, great event. And thank you to everybody. So many, I mean, obviously with that many people, many of them, not, not a part of our church, not a part of, of, of any church, a lot of them, and they heard the gospel. So be praying for that, that the gospel would find fertile soil in hearts to, to penetrate deep and roots that would grow deep and, and fruit that would be lasting out of last night. And with that said, I, you probably all, because I know you all paid very close attention to the announcement video, but uh, at, actually at one o'clock, the announcement said to at one o'clock today, we still have quite a bit of work to do to take everything back and transform us back into surprise, Calvary Chapel surprise from Bethlehem. So if you could stick around after service or run home, better yet, run home and grab your screw gun because many hands and many screw guns make light work of what needs to be done. But come on back at one o'clock and hopefully in just a short time we'll get all of that knocked out. Hey, if you grab your Bibles, take them out. Romans chapter 10. If you didn't bring a Bible, take one from under a seat in front of you. Romans chapter 10. You know, it's interesting um, that when you talk about things that affect and touch pretty much everybody's, everybody's lives, you know, I, I would imagine that pretty much everybody in the room has either been directly affected or, or indirectly affected by, by disease, by someone who has contacted a disease. And, and many cancer. Cancer just seems to be, it seems like almost every week we're getting a call or an email from someone that, you know, they, they themselves or a loved one struggling with cancer, dealing with cancer, just got the diagnosis. You know, it, the oncology is, the, is the, the study of cancer and trying to, to find a cure from that. And I know that all of us, whether, whether we've been directly affected by it or not, would hope that one day we would hear the words that, you know, anyone who would take this particular remedy, this treatment, can be cured. Anyone that would, that would do that. We would all love that. And I, one of the things that's universal, too, is this, I guess, fear that's within all of us that, that there would be an epidemic that would break out, that there would be an infectious disease that would, that would take over the planet. I mean, we've, we see movies that are made about that, and there's actually a, a science, epidemiology, epidemic that, that studies that. And if there were, you know, and that's the kind of the whole, like, like almost the hero of the movie, if you would, is the one who finds the cure, and that if anybody would take Take this treatment, that, that, the, that they would be cured of the disease. Well, the fact of the matter is that the leading killer among all human history is sin. And everyone is infected. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of the God. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin, because of that sin, we will all die. And just like, just like anything, when it, when it comes to that, that statement, you know, those that are most concerned with it are those that are most affected by it. And as I said, the whole world has come under this 
this sentence, if you would, this, this, this diagnosis because of sin, we all face this, this death that is before us. And that is why, and as I say this, because we're going to start in verse 14 in our study today, but I want to start back where we left off last week in verse 13, because, no, again, if whoever takes this treatment for whatever disease it would, how great it would be that if they took it, we knew that they'd be cured. Look at what verse 13 says about the disease that we are all infected with, and that is sin. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord, will be saved. We talked about this last week. You know, soteriology is the study of salvation. That, again, the, the diagnosis is, is grim. The diagnosis is that we are all terminal with this. But there is a cure. Jesus came. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever comes to, must come through me to the Father. There's no other way. But whoever comes through me to the Father will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever. Whoever. That means anyone. There's no room for any exceptions. The way is narrow. Yes, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way is narrow. But is it exclusive? Not at all. It's inclusive. It's open to everyone. There is no distinction when it says whoever. No distinction whatsoever. No distinction for race, sex, culture, intelligence, social status. No exception, no distinction, even when it comes to our past and our history. Many believe there's no way God could forgive me of all of my sin. That's a lie from the pit of hell itself. Everyone, whoever, calls upon the name of the Lord. That is to recognize, to submit to his deity, authority, sovereignty, majesty, his word, to submit to the King of kings and Lord of lords and receiving from him the gift of grace, eternal life that he purchased himself on the cross for each one. Whoever will do that will be saved. The, when we speak of death, there's two, there's two parts to that death, speaking of the, that whoever sins, the wages of sin is death. Yes, physical death, but eternal death. Separated from the love of God, facing the wrath of God forever. Suffering indescribable forever. But those who trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, yes, we take a final breath here in this earth suit, but guess what's next? Eternal glory. Eternal glory. We just, we just relocate. <laughs> And this eternal life, it, it, it is a life that Jesus said when he came, he came that we'd have life and have it abundantly. He is the one who said that I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Will never die. Yes, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but, but God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting eternal life. Guys, that is the truth from God's word. Now, Paul, as we begin our study today, speaking to us 
as Christians directly here, speaking with this, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Our study begins in verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Paul says, guys, this amazing news that is in verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved because that is true. How, uh, therefore, because it's absolutely true, how are we going to get this word out? Again, if the world was infected with some disease that was killing the population and a cure was found, how do we get that out? How are we going to get the word out? And I want to work backwards a little bit, if you would, because it comes to us here when it says, how are they going to hear it unless somebody tells them? That's what he speaks of here with the word preacher. When the word preacher is used there, he's not talking about me. He's talking about you. He's talking about all of us as Christians. That word preacher doesn't mean that you need a pulpit. That word preacher means you need a message. It means you need to be a proclaimer. That's, that's literally what the word means. It doesn't mean preacher as we think of it. It means proclaimer. It means somebody who has something to say. It means someone who has good news to share. The gospel. It's the same word, the Greek word there, evangelion, evangelizo, evangelistes. You know, it speaks there of the message the word of the message, the work of the messenger, yes, there is a gift of evangelism. There's no doubt. There are many people that I have met, and it amazes me, and it blesses me, and I pray for that gift myself, that when they just seem to, they share the gospel with people, and people get saved, and that's just awesome. And there is a, the Bible speaks of the gift of evangelism, but the Bible also speaks of the work of an evangelist, and guess who's elected? I know everybody, if you like me saying, hey, I'm glad that's your job, preacher man. It's all our work. And he says, he says, how, how are they going to, how is this going to happen? But you must be sent. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. And we understand what that, what that term means as an ambassador. One who has a message that has been given to be taken to a foreign land, to be taken to another place. And again, we know we're, as Christians, we're not of this world. Our home is in heaven. And our heavenly father has given us this message to take to the world that, where we are. And we must be called and be chosen in order to be sent. There are many who have, the, have a false message that is being proclaimed. But we have been given the truth. And it is up to us as, as those. How are, they to, how are they to preach unless they are sent? Notice it says, just said as, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. How beautiful are the feet. What is being spoken of there is, again, it is something that we must go and do. We are to take the message out. And I know as we th sit here and think, and I, I know you're there because I've been there before myself, and even times myself, I, I find myself even back there. I'm thinking, well, you know what? I don't, I'm not, I don't really have the tools for that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really have the ability to go and do that. Here's the key, guys. The only ability that we need in order to take that message out is availability. We need to say, God, here I am. 
Use me. Send me. Jesus says in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you would note, go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. We are all called and given a message to take out and proclaim to a lost and dying world. And we are sent. Jesus said, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go! (laughs) And he's equipped us, and he's appointed us. And because of that, notice again, working backwards, he's speaking of how will they believe. Well, what is it that they're to believe? Is it good enough to just be, just to believe? You know, you hear it, just, hey, just, just, you gotta believe. You just need more faith. And is it faith in faith that matters? You know, one of the greatest deceptions, I believe, that has spread rampantly throughout, throughout the world and even within some quote-unquote Christian circles is that it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. And we, we looked at that last week because that was Paul's, his, his heart was grieved over the fact that his Jewish brothers and sisters were zealous. They were passionate, but without knowledge. And because of that, they were lost. They were passionate, but they were passionately lost. Zeal without knowledge. I mean, speaking of, and again, the the disease, the infectious disease, the study of all of that, you know, and that type of thing. It wasn't that long ago in history, in American history and in world history, that if you came down with a disease, what you did is you went to the barber and you didn't get a haircut. He stuck a needle in you and drained a lot of your blood out. That's what they could say. Hey, you know what? You're sick. You got to go and get, get rid of a lot of your blood. Problem is your life is in your blood. That's what the Bible says. A lot of people died from that process. Oops. Zealous, passionate, but without knowledge. How can they call on him unless they are told of him? How can they call upon the Lord unless unless The Lord is revealed to them. And again, not just any version. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. His way. And that's where we come to in verse 17. So faith comes by hearing, and notice, hearing by the word of or concerning Christ. Not just any word. The word concerning Christ. Paul writes Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires, note, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's God's heart that all men are saved. It's God's, God's desire that all get the cure and receive it. But it comes through the knowledge of the truth. Our job is to share that truth. Now, again, oftentimes our ideas in this and our thoughts in this is, you know, well, I'm just, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not equipped for that. I'm not everything, anything for that. That's why I love the story in Acts chapter 8. You can jot this down. I'm going to paraphrase a lot of it for you. There's a man named Philip. And it tells us about Philip that he loved the Lord. He, he, was a, he, he loved God's word. 
He was involved in the, in the early church. He was one that was a deacon in the church, serving in the church. And he had a, had a ministry, but he had a sensitivity to God. And God, the Holy Spirit, spoke to his heart one day. And he says, you know, I know things are going great here, but I want you to go out into the desert. And he gives him the, these coordinates to go to out in the middle of nowhere. And he doesn't question it. He's just obedient in that. And you know what? He's out there. He's walking along a road. And here comes this contingent on its way back to Ethiopia after being in Jerusalem. And amongst that contingent is this, is this man. He's, he's prestigious. in the. He's a eunuch from, from Ethiopia serving the queen there. And it, it tells us that they're, they're on the way back. And the Holy Spirit then speaks to Philip and says, go up to that chariot. So he goes, and on the way, he hears the Ethiopian reading from Isaiah chapter 53. Now, in Acts, Acts chapter 8, it, tells, it has a couple of the verses, but I want to read some from Isaiah 53 to you. It says in verse 4, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell on him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due, it was due us. The strokes that he took were ours to take. He took them upon himself. Verse 10, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting, to, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering, an offering for us. That is the part of scripture that the eunuch was reading. And Philip runs up and he says this, do you understand what you're reading? And he responds, how could I unless someone guides me? And then it tells us that beginning from this scripture, Philip told him about Jesus. It says he preached Jesus to him. He shared, he declared, he proclaimed Jesus to him using the scripture that he was there. And it, brought, and it tells us that he comes to faith in Jesus and he's baptized there. I tell you that story, I go there because again, so often we can say, well, I'm not equipped. I not, that is just availability. Philip was available to be used by God. And note two things. First of all, God is working in us as believers. When we're studying the word and we're going through, through our, our devotions and we're praying, God is preparing our hearts for that work. And again, we just need to make ourselves available to his hands, tools in his hands to use. But notice also, he's also preparing the recipient. He's also working in their hearts. To receive the message. God was working and stirring in that eunuch's heart. Already before Philip got there, God was already at work in his heart. Many of you know Pastor Ray in Newark, New Jersey, our sister church over there. 
And I, I, I get the privilege of, of talking with and praying with, with Ray every Sunday morning. And this morning he shared with me, actually it was several months ago, he shared with me the first part of this story. And I'll shorten it up a little bit for time's sake. But bottom line, in the middle of the week, a young lady comes running into the church screaming. And he runs out and he had recognized her as being at, at the church as part of the youth group a couple of times. And he said, and this, this young gal says, my mom is in serious trouble. Her mom was involved in drugs and prostitution there in the, in the projects right by there. And she had stolen money from one of the drug dealers. And the drug dealer was coming to collect. And so she's, she's in a panic. Ray, like he always does, God bless him and pray for them. But he says, I'll, get, I'll handle it. I'll get involved. So he goes down there. He, he meets with the mom. Do you have a phone number for this guy? She said, yes, I do. Ray takes her phone, calls him, and starts talking to him and says, hey, we're going to work this out. I'll get, the, you know, going on talking, trying to bring peace to the situation. The guy goes, hey, is this Pastor Ray? <laughs> and he goes, Yes. He goes, you used, to, you used to have a church down, down on such and such intersection, and that's where they used to be before their current location. And he says, yeah. And he goes, I was one of the guys who used to run out of there all the time. Because <laughs> Ray would walk outside in, in front of the church any time that they were meeting there, and there, the drug dealers that were going on and the deals going on, he goes, not on this block, not now. Out of here. Get out of here. And he'd chase them all out. And he said, he said, I used to be one of those guys. Fast forward today. His name is Supreme, the dealer. He's getting baptized today at The Rock. Over the last few months, Ray has met with him and discipled him. He's given his life to the Lord. and He's getting baptized today. Because Ray was available. Because Ray picked up the phone. Because God was moving on Ray's heart. And because God was working in Supreme's heart convincing him that there's another, there's a supreme, way more supreme than him. <laughs> Guys, bottom line is we don't know, we don't know who they are. We don't know who God's working in. So our job is to just tell everybody <laughs> and tell everybody boldly. But Coming back again to, to what we're talking about today, and, and it's, guys, we have to start with the truth concerning Jesus. Bible tells us, he said himself, he came into the world to save sinners. Who's that? Everyone. We've already, we've already determined that. But bottom line is, nobody's going to be receptive to treatment unless they know they're sick, right? And that's why it's so important that we, we, don't, we don't dance around the subject, that we don't try to make it, you know, this nice, easy, soft thing. Hey, come to Jesus. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. And yeah, the problem with that is, everybody says, well, that's great as long as it lines up with my wonderful plan for my life. Newsflash, probably won't. Here's the good news. You're dying and going to hell. But God sent his own son to die for you, to take the penalty for yourself. And if you receive him as Lord and Savior, you can have eternal life. That's the good news. That's the gospel. See, here the thing is, guys, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And Jesus came to make dead men alive, not good men better. 
Yes, the Bible says that he came to bind the brokenhearted. Absolutely. But he does that by dealing with the cause, not treating the symptoms. And the cause is sin. The cause is rebellion. The cause is pride. And that's how, God, that's how God binds up the brokenhearted is he deals with those areas of, in our life and we, we, submit, we submit to his lordship. We repent of our sin and we turn to him and that's how he binds us up. Unfortunately, as Paul writes to Timothy, there will, there will come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. Guess what? Time has arrived. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. There's a myth that's being propagated out there all over the place that says you don't have to, you know what, don't worry, you can continue in whatever lifestyle you're in and you're okay. No, the lifestyle you're in and the lifestyle I was in and the lifestyle that we were all in before coming to the Lord, that lifestyle was killing us. But it's that, it's that when we come to the Lord and we are new creations in Christ Jesus, that is how we are bound up. The, our hearts are bound up. Our broken hearts are, are mended. We have to start with the truth. The truth concerning Christ. It's got to be biblical. Jesus said, speaking to the Father, sanctify them with the truth. Your word is truth. That's why, that's why we go through the Bible the way we do at Calvary Chapel. I believe that statement. His word is truth. And that's how we're sanctified. That's how we're changed. That's what we, that's what we believe. It's the living word of God. So on, on Wednesdays, we go through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Old Testament on Wednesdays, New Testament on the weekends. Because it is all important. We need it all. God said in Isaiah 55 that his word will not return void. His word will accomplish everything he sends it out to do. Guess what? My word returns void all the time. Most of the time, what I desire my words to do don't happen the way, you know, but God's word, that's his promise. Scripture is sufficient it's authoritative. Paul writing again to Timothy, speaking to, him, speaking to Timothy about his own life, he said, from childhood you've known that the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. Wisdom that leads to salvation found in the word of God. Again, his word won't return void. That's why we need to know it. We need to study it, we need to meditate on it, and we need to share it. Make sure you're telling people the word of God. Because that's, again, it's powerful, it's alive, it's relevant. People say, well, I can't share that, I gotta got make it relevant. No, you don't. The Bible's relevant. It's the living word of God. I love Charles Spurgeon, I love one of my favorite quotes of his, somebody asked him, how do you defend the word of God? He said, defend it. I don't need to defend it. How do you defend a roaring lion? You don't. You let it out of the cage. <laughs> same, same thing with the word of God. Just let it out of the cage. The message that we share, guys, it has to focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
interesting. We're celebrating communion today. Talking here, the death and resurrection of Jesus at Christmas time when we're celebrating him coming as a baby, being born. And, and bottom line is, guys, that's why he came. He came to die. He came to give his life in exchange for you and I. And the Bible says without the, the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's why he had to suffer and die the way he did so that he could be a mediator for you and I. The power is in the cross. The power is in the blood of Jesus. Guys, if the cross isn't mentioned, if the blood of Jesus isn't mentioned, there's no power in the message. Now, I know. I know that's not popular. I know that when, whenever you start mentioning about the suffering of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, you know, you're going to get this wall that goes up. They're going to be like, hey, I don't, don't want anything to do it. It's not popular today. Guess what? It never has been. It wasn't popular when Jesus was talking about it. In John chapter 6, it tells us that he was sharing with, with a, a, a group of people that were, were his disciples, in addition to his 12, many that were following him very closely, disciples of his, a large group. And he started talking about the fact, he said, unless you eat, eat my body, drink my blood, you have no part of me. And they're like, wait a second. That is, that, that's, that's too deep, that's too heavy, that, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't understand that. An interesting John 6, verse 66, John 666, says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and didn't walk with him anymore. It wasn't popular for Jesus either. You know, it, it tells us then he turns to his disciples and he said, Are you going to leave too? And that's when Peter said, Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. It's not a popular message, but that's where the power is. And again, we, we can get caught up in the fact that, okay, it, it, that's the message, but then in order for me to have that message, I got to be able to deliver it really, really smooth. Got to be able to just flow. I have to be really eloquent with that. I don't want to be stumbling all over myself. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Nothing. I nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The cross and the blood of Jesus. And just, just when you start thinking, well, I got to be eloquent like Paul, Okay, I was weak, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My preaching was not in persuasive words of wisdom. Why? Because Paul didn't want disciples of Paul. He wanted disciples of Jesus. He wanted everybody to understand that this isn't because I'm, I'm eloquent of speech. And those of you that have been hanging around Calvary Chapel Surprise long enough can say amen to that. I'm stumbling all over myself all the time. Because it's not about me, it's not about Paul, it's not about you. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit in you. It's about the power of the truth of the message of the gospel that's been given to you and to me to share. That's it. 
And we have, all of us have that. Every one of us, as born-again believers, have that. And again, we just need to make ourselves available to be used by God in it. Billy Graham was asked one time, what is, what is one thing that old Billy Graham would tell young Billy Graham to, now that you've been through all of these years in your ministry? And he said, the one thing I would tell him is preach on the blood of Jesus more. If you've ever heard Billy Graham preach, that's about all he preached on. But you can't, you can't talk about it enough because that's where the power is. Peter said, God, we, haven't been, we haven't been redeemed with, with perishable things like silver and gold. That's all going to burn up. It's all going to melt. We have been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. That's where the power is. That is why we have eternal life because of the blood of Jesus. Now, I appreciate how Paul then leaves this as we continue to move on from here because the power's in the, in the blood of Jesus, in the testimony that we give. But notice, even let's go back to verse 16 because it fits together with 18 through the rest of the chapter. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? They don't all believe. Believe Paul, they didn't all believe Jesus. Interesting, when, when, a, when a teacher, two Bible students in this time, a rabbi teaching to largely a Jewish audience, all they would do often would simply reference the first verse of a, of a passage, knowing that his Bible students knew the rest. <laughs> Making a reference, knowing that he didn't need to go into great explanation following. Example, like even in our day, you could, you could just say something and most of the people listening would know what it is that you're referring to. Like if I were to tell you a date which will live in infamy, most of you will know that that's referring to the anniversary that we just passed on the 7th, December 7th, 1941, when Pearl Harbor was bombed. Well, when he references this, in, in this verse, uh, who will believe our, or who has believed our report, he's referencing the first verse of Isaiah 53 which we just read, speaking again of Jesus, pointing ahead to him, his suffering, his death on our behalf. And he's saying not everybody's going to receive that. And in verse 18, let's read through 18 through the rest of the chapter. It says, but I say surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say surely Israel did not know, did they? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is, not, which is not a nation. By a nation, without understanding, I will anger you. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. But as for Israel, he says, all the day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Now, We've been studying, and when we started chapter 9, we mentioned chapters 9, 10, and 11 are kind of like this little parenthetical insert, if you would, in the middle of Romans that Paul addresses the Jewish people, but there's great importance to us in all of that as we've gone through. And so no doubt, he is specifically speaking to Israel here in these verses, but he's generally speaking to all who reject the message. 
And he speaks in the first part there about our responsibility. The voice has gone out. The words go out. That's our responsibility to take the message out. We are the preachers. We are the proclaimers. We are the ones who have this gospel message that needs to be taken out to a lost and a dying world. Then we need to leave the results in the hands of God. Our role is to share the truth. God's role is to save people. So often we, we get that the, the, we're responsible for both pieces. And we can measure success or failure based on whether or not somebody gets saved when we share the message. And I, I don't know about you, if you've ever been in that situation, but I know that's something that I really struggled with. I, as a matter of fact, one time, just being, being honest, after, after an Easter service a few years ago, we had, we had made a lot of preparations with the worship team. We had this prayer room that we set up outside. We had the whole thing all going. I prayed over the message, prepared for weeks for this whole thing, prayed over it, and we were just expecting an abundant harvest of people to get saved. And after every service, we give the invitation for people to go back to the prayer room, and nobody went. And again, I'm being honest. I went back to my office afterward, and I was mad. I was mad at God. I was like, God, what is up? I have, we did this, and we did this, and we did this, and we did this, and what's going on? You know what God spoke to my heart so clearly? He said, just because you shut your Bible doesn't mean I'm done. I'll tell you 10 seconds later where I was, on my face, saying, God, forgive me. Because I'm now thinking I'm somehow responsible for something that only you can do. I, we're called, we, as Christians, we are called to be faithful, not successful. We are called to share the gospel message. That is our job. And the enemy wants to get us thinking that because you're not doing this or you're not doing it right or you're not doing all this sort of stuff and then we, get so, and then we just stop sharing. That's what he wants. Because he understands the power of the blood of Jesus. He understands the power of the word. He understands the power of the gospel message. He's been watching it work for a couple thousand years. And he just wants to get us discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged today. As a born-again believer, you have a message to share. We have, a, we have a proclamation to make because the world is infected and we have the cure. Guys, we should have a sense of urgency. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And I'll add to that, time is short. I don't think we have a whole lot of time left. You don't have to watch too much over on in the Middle East to know that things are lining up. We see in this, again, in, these, in these, these closing verses, and we will address Israel with all of this beginning next week, should the Lord tarry as we get into chapter 11. But I want to speak to this again as we are called to share the gospel in, in, our, in our neighborhoods, in our families Notice, it's interesting, he lines it out in these verses here. Notice that sometimes he'll just make people jealous. He'll, they'll, they'll look at our lives and see how our lives have been changed and saying, well, what's going on with you? I want what you have and, and that type of thing. Okay, God can work that way. He can notice, found those who weren't even seeking him. 
They, they found him, okay. Manifest to those who weren't even asking. Guys, God works in mysterious ways. God works in ways that are beyond our understanding. No doubt you've probably even had an experience in your life where somebody that, that you love and you care for and you've been sharing the gospel with them and you've been telling them and man, you come with all of the convincing arguments and all the verses and all of this kind of stuff and they keep giving you the Heisman time and time again and then all of a sudden they call you up one day, guess what, I got saved. Praise the Lord, what happened? Oh, my neighbor just had some Christian music playing. God's ways, not ours. I just, I still, I'm just so blown away. There's a man named Supreme getting baptized today because Ray got involved in a drug deal. <laughs> Praise God. I want to take a moment as we close to address because I see in verse 21, again, we'll, we'll pick this up next time. As for Israel, but I want to turn this right now to as for anyone who is here today who has never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you know I'm talking to you because the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to your heart right now that this is for you. And I know because I've been there. All day long, God has stretched out his hands toward you. And to this point, you've hardened your heart to him. Peter wrote, the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. The reason that you are still drawing breath is because God is patient with you. He loves you. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to come to repentance. He wants you to come to a saving knowledge of, of his son, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He wants you to come to a saving knowledge of him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever, that means you. And you might be thinking right here, right now, that, that same lie that many of us have bought into at one time in our life where the enemy is trying to convince you that you've outsinned the grace of God. There's no way that God for, could forgive you for everything that you've done. I'm here to tell you today, his blood is sufficient. It was a perfect sacrifice made for you. And if you simply receive it today and make Jesus Lord of your life, all of your sin can be washed away, all of the guilt taken away, and you can have eternal life. Calling on the name of the Lord. You need to recognize and submit to the deity, the authority, the sovereignty, the majesty, the word of God. You need to make him Lord of your life today. Humbling yourself to your creator and giving your life to him and receiving the free gift that he has for you and that's eternal life. Don't harden your heart today. Receive that today. Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things passed away, new things have come. Your past can be completely done away with. All of your sin, all of your rebellion, and you can be a new creature today. You can be like supreme today. For those of us here that, that are believers, born again, Paul continues, I just read 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He continues in verse 18. Now all these things are from God 
who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled us, but he's given us the ministry. All of us, again, not, not me, us, has given us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The work of reconciliation Jesus did on the cross, but the word of reconciliation has been given to us that we need to share with a lost and dying world. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, who knew no sin, born a baby, lived a perfect sinless life, tempted in every way, just like you and I are, yet without sin, gave that life on the cross, shed his blood for us, and in exchange gave us his righteousness, clothed in his righteousness. Glory to God, amen? Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. We're going to celebrate communion together afterward. But first of all, I want to again address anyone here this morning who is not a born-again believer. You've never given your life to Jesus. You know I'm speaking to you again because I know the Holy Spirit bearing witness to your heart. And I beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Sin has broken your relationship with your Creator. But Jesus paid it all for you. He took your penalty upon himself on the cross shedding his perfect blood for you. So will you humble yourself today? Just go before him in your heart and say, God, I am a sinner. And I know that I can't fix it. I can't, I can't do anything to offset that. Jesus, I believe you gave your perfect life in exchange for mine. Right here, right now, I, I humble myself. I I acknowledge that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and I make you Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Give me eternal life. God, I pray right now that you would take the seed of the gospel message and plant it deep in those hearts. Holy Spirit, that you would do what only you can do. Bring the dead to life, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you as those that have been redeemed by your precious blood. We worship you for who you are, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and our Savior, the one who laid down his very life for ours. We worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen.